Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for Basil's opinion. Today is July 10th, 2017, and this is episode 209. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. On today's show, we'll go around the bases to discuss the Orioles at the All-Star break. And we'll do that right after we lubricate for the show. It's time for the Drink of the Week. Jake. Drink of the week. So you were very gracious to provide me very bad beer. I'm drinking uh, Corona on your dime, but I actually want to have a quick just mention a drink I had this week. Um, I drank not one but two beers from the Evil Genius Brewing Company. Yeah, neither were necessarily earth shattering, uh, but I dig the '90s music references. Uh, one was the Chicken to China, the Chinese Chicken IPA. And the other was the Stacy's Mom Citrus IPA. Isn't Stacy's Mom a 2000s reference? <laughs> yeah. But did you watch the X Files with the lights on? Much like uh, bottles of wine with goofy names on them that get people to buy them. Sure. I encourage behavior like this. So, Evil Genius, just as your name indicates, you got my money just from. The, the titles. And a sucker is born every minute. Well done. Scotty, what are you drinking this evening? Jake, I am doing a Jack and Ginger this evening. A little bit of Jack, a little bit of ginger ale. Oh boy, what a drink. With that, if you want to find out what we're drinking on a weekly basis or on a daily basis, as Jake would be, check us out on Untapped. I'm at MAGN8606. And I'm at Jake E4025. And with that, let's go ahead and dabble on over to the medical wing. Listen, we need a little bit more giggling in Birdland lately. This will only tickle a little. All right. So the big one, of course, is Chris Davis, who uh, actually had a rehab assignment today in Frederick. Uh, Went one for four with two strikeouts. He's back. He's back. He is back, baby. And uh, the plan is for him to potentially be activated as of this Friday uh, to be back with the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Apparently has no setbacks um, and is ready to go. Ready for the Cubs. Bring him on. Scotty... I, I hate to ask, but where do you put Chris Davis? First base. Where do you put Trey Mancini? Left field. Uh, okay. All right. Um, nobody really else is of very much interest in the medical wing. I mean, J.J. Hardy's still hurt. Uh, Anthony Santander is still hurt. Ryan Flaherty's still throwing in Sarasota. Sure he is. Yeah. I'm not sure he's still alive. The Orioles are getting closer to being at full strength and... Well, we'll see if that's enough to carry him through the second half. And that's about it for the medical wing, right? 
I think that we should wander over and do uh, Orioles baseball in 140 characters or fewer than this week on the Twitters. All right, so at least someone is having a good time out there in Birdland. This first week comes from David Piskarek, at David Piskarek, invading another stadium. Hashtag Orioles in all 30 ballparks. And it's David with uh, his lovely family or just some kids that he picked up on the street. I can't make that determination, but I'm going to make an assumption here and assume it's his family. David, tweet us back. Did did we see you on Masson? Is that a thing? Oh, definitely. He he confirmed that for a few people. But uh, yeah, awesome that um, you know someone can go ahead and take their families to all 30 ballparks. Jake, um, that's kind of a dream, right, for you to do with your kids? Well, I, I think this just underscores the fact that my parents didn't love me enough and... Um now I'm bitter. Yeah, well, no one really loves you, Jake. No one does. <laughs> Nobody. Not even the Orioles. The next tweet we're going to go to is from Ryan Spader, who tweets, of course, at the ace of Spader. Hashtag struggling, in quotations. Manny Machado has 88 batted balls of at least 100 miles per hour this season. Only Aaron Judge has more. 90. So, Scotty. Yeah. Quote, unquote, struggling Manny Machado or quote, unquote, unlucky Manny Machado struggling Manny Machado I still think it comes back to like we talked about before you got to hit line drives and if you're not hitting line drives then um well bad things are going to happen a lot more ground balls this year get away from hitting ground balls into the dirt and uh start hitting some line drives slash slide balls for for home runs and and gappers but Jake you know what I really have loved so far this season and it's one of the positives it's the moaning oh I love the moaning and this tweet comes from Matthew Castellano at Matty Pabst, uh, win or lose, thanks to Bird's Eye View BAL, I will always enjoy the at Jim 22 Palmer. Wow. When the hashtag Orioles hit a monster home run. Are they, oh, are they, oh, something along those lines. If you watch a nice long home run and Jim Palmer is the color commentator, let's just say that you're going to hear some pleasure right afterwards. Birds Eye View listeners, I call upon you to isolate the sound you just heard and give me the best of Scotty remix. Uh, Let's move on to a tweet. Uh, Scott, something happened this week between you and Steve Molesky. Yeah. Did you two need a room? Uh, No, I think we're good. What I was was looking out for him. Looking out for him. So the big thing is uh, Steve Molesky went on a Twitter rant to anybody and anyone who he'd called out saying... Why the heck is Jonathan Scope playing shortstop? And Steve Molesky says, gosh darn it, I went to bully for all those years, and you're going to know that Jonathan Scope played shortstop, and that means he's an adequate shortstop up at the major leagues. So uh, Mike Petrillo actually tweeted out saying, hey, Jonathan Scope actually looks like a pretty decent at shortstop. He reminds me of a of bias, and uh, in so many ways, he's a better hitter. Steve Molesky tweeted out, uh-oh, don't let some O's fans see this. Good luck, Mike. I don't, don't think Steve um, quite understands the questions that were being raised. I don't know. Steve does a great job, generally, is the best way to put it. He uh, has a 105.7 uh, show, and I will say that um, the people that call into that show would make me want to um, quit my job immediately. But when you've got certain fans that are asking questions like, well, what does this mean long-term, or does Scope actually have the range for it? And you come back with, well, he was drafted to be a shortstop, and he played some minor league games as shortstop. That's like saying, well, Pedro Alvarez was drafted as a third baseman, and um, he used to play third base in the minors, but uh, I guess he can still play third base. It's like, no, this is not the right kind of thought progression that you're you're going through. 
The next tweet, the final tweet for this week on the Twitters, is one from ERockRDT. Of course, friend of the program, Eric Arditi, who tweets at BarstoolRDT. Quote, I don't want to alarm anyone, but Abaldo had the same type of lead on the Twins before they went and won 14-6. End quote. I love Jim Palmer. Ah, uh, Jim. Even When even Palmer is starting to burn, you know your season is going well. Yeah. You know, it's we're coming up on the All-Star break now. Um, it's a good time for us to kind of be a little past the halfway point, for us to kind of stretch it out and maybe uh, take a, a quick stroll around the bases. All right, halfway point. The O's are four games back at the wild card. Um, let's just be honest with you. The AL East is out of, out of the picture at this point. But it's a good time for us to kind of reassess where we stand with this Orioles team going into the All-Star break. So, Jake, let's start at first base. And let's start with the All-Star game in itself. Jonathan Scope was named to his first All-Star game. And that's it. And it's, it's the first time since 2011 when the Baltimore Orioles have only sent one ambassador to the game. Um, in 2011, it was Matt Wieters. Um, and the team has been horrible for most of May and June. But uh, in your opinion, did they miss anyone um, that should have been sent um, to the All-Star game with Jonathan Skip? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's an outrage that uh, this player was not called to the All-Star game. I cannot believe that Ty Wigginton was not asked to represent the <laughs> Orioles this season. Uh, frankly, I'm, I'm, I'm beside myself. What do you give to the point though? Um, that like, for example, I'm going to come back to last year with the Brad Brock, Brock incident with Keith law and Keith law making mention of, you shouldn't just reward players based off of a half a year's performance. You should reward and have the best players there, um, to be the representatives of the, of, of, of the league. So for example, should a Manny Machado have been given a tender to go to the Oriole, go to the all-star game to represent the Baltimore Orioles? Well, I mean, I, I, your question is, is it the 2017 All-Star Game right. or is it just the All-Star Game? I I come down kind of in the middle because the thing about the All-Star Game is it's an exhibition game. How very Austrian of you, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's an exhibition game that's designed for the fans. This is really the one thing that baseball does. Um, and, and they do it better than anybody else for the fans. And so, yeah, okay, Jonathan Scope is, is having a great season and he's a good player. But when you are... Uh, major league baseball fan that isn't in baltimore who do you want to see at the game you want to see manny right mm-hmm. and so i i do think that there's something to be said there about take care of the product um and, and really having manny you know one of the five or ten best players in the game the face of the franchise for the next you know, season and a half, is an important thing uh, so I would uh, I would absolutely say that uh, yeah, give a nod to the fans. I have a tendency to agree on this as well. Um, I, I think it's important to give a nod to the fans. I just feel like again, Manny Machado, uh, certainly a top player within all of the American League. I just don't know where I fit him um, as per you know the given roster. You got Miguel Sano already on the team, and you already had um, what you call it. You had. Uh, um, you had Jose Ramirez also representing for the Cleveland Indians. So again, 
I wouldn't say is better than Manny, but it's having a great season, so you kind of reward him for it. But I really feel like Manny is your face going forward for the league, potentially. You've got to have him representing in an all-star game. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, you know, with bad Orioles teams, it seemed like there was always one star that was going to make it all the time. It kind of makes me wonder, like, if Manny were to leave, well, who's the next one? You know, because, again, after the 2018 season, this roster is going to look vastly different. I wonder if we will have a single player like an Adam Jones to be the token Oriole uh, representative, or if it's going to be, you know, three or four years of Ty Wigginton's. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that goes down. All right, let's roll on over to second base now. Um, The Orioles are going to come off the all-star break with one of their longest homestands with 10 games at home. Um, How many games do they need to win during that stretch to convince you to make them buyers? Out of those 10 games? Yes. 15. Wow. That's harsh. I mean, really? Let's look at a 10-game swing. Okay. What's the best you think they could do? Seven and three. Seven and three? Yeah. So that'll put them... At 500. Yeah. That's just not doing it for me. It's just not doing it for me. Okay. Because the thing is, if they go on a hot streak... Yeah. They're going to come down from that hot streak. Possible, and, and I have seen nothing over the course of this year to make me think that this team can sustain winning. I think that they can sustain besides not that being really awful. Besides that first six weeks of the season, yes, okay, that very but, distant first six weeks of the gotcha. season. So as long as we're excluding that first six weeks of the season, absolutely. But how foolish would it be for me to say, oh, because of the team that the Orioles were in April, I think that they should buy, buy, buy in July. Now listen, Insync. You need to turn it back a little bit. But my question is, if they go into that last week of July and they're a 500 baseball team, do you say, you know what? Let's go ahead and make a move and see what happens. Do I? Yes. No. Does Dan Duquette? Absolutely. Okay. In fact, I would say that they could go three and seven. And Dan Duquette will say, let's buy, buy, buy. All right. What do you think? I, I think, honestly, if they go seven and three, I'm okay with them going ahead and buying people right now. And if they don't? Uh, if they don't, then no, I hope they do not buy. <laughs> but in reality, I mean, let, let's going through the numbers. Everyone basically says it's impossible for them to have enough wins to basically get to ninety wins, and maybe that's the case. But you look at the rest of the AL right now that's going for a wild card, and uh, the Yankees and the Rays are right there, and they're at five twenty winning percentage. These teams are not going gangbusters like they are in the National League. It could easily be a situation where the wild card team could be an 85 win team. If you tell me that, then the Orioles only need to have a 550 winning percentage for the rest of the season. That's definitely possible. That's definitely possible. I mean, sure, the Orioles have been absolutely horrible and abysmal through this stretch recently, but it's definitely possible that they could go on a tear and have a 550 winning percentage. No question about it. Do you think that's likely? Do I think it's likely? No, but do I think though? It, do I think it was likely that the Orioles are going to be a playoff team at the beginning of the season? I said it's probably not going to happen, but it could happen. Did you think they were going to be this bad? Uh, not for this prolonged period of time, but I didn't <laughs> think they were going to be as good as they were for the fr- first six weeks that you've already dismissed and said I'm ignoring that piece of history. It never existed. Oh, it existed. It's just not meaningful. Okay. Wait. Before we get to third base, but the past six weeks have been meaningful. <laughs> This yes. is Steve Molesky logic at the best. <laughs> it is the most recent okay. six weeks. Oh, it's recency bias. It's recency bias. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. Before we get to third base, okay. can we take um, a pause, a, a brief... Can we take a short stop here? Oh, I see what you did there. Are we really not going to talk about Jonathan Scope at shortstop? Okay, yeah. I mean, we mentioned it briefly on the Twitter. 
um, in terms of uh, Jonathan Scope being put at shortstop by Buck Showalter and um, a, a collective majority of uh, Orioles fans lost their ever gosh darn mind, basically. That's awfully strong language from you. Gosh darn mind, yeah. And in my opinion, really was, um, for one game, it's probably not going to matter too much. It's going to be a situation where Jonathan Scope does not have the range. And the bigger aspect is he doesn't have the glove work. And I've, I've pointed this out before. A lot of times Jonathan Scope gets in front of the ball and kind of knocks it down. But he doesn't have that clean reception into the glove and be able to be able to turn it. So that ability to not have that clean glove work and have the given range really affects him. This kind of comes back to J.J. Hardy. The reason J.J. Hardy is so good is not because of his range, but it's because he's so sure-footed and knows exactly how much time he has to get the ball. Where Jonathan Scope almost seems to me like every single time he makes the catch, so it's like, oh, please, God, oh, please, God, please just make the throw, please just make the throw. And I know he's got the arm for it, but it's the athleticism slash approach that he takes sometimes to throwing that I'm just like, well, that was interesting. I'm glad it worked, but it was interesting. All right, I'm going to play devil's advocate, and then I'm going to uh, give my real opinion. Sure. <clears throat> we think that there is a distinct difference between the type of athlete that can... I'm going to pour myself some more whiskey while we're talking about this topic. We think that there's a distinct difference between the type of athlete and the athletic skills required to play shortstop versus second base. Yes. With the amount of time... So does every other Major League Baseball team as well. Sure. With the amount of time that's spent in traditional defensive alignment these days... Oh, good question. ...and that going down... Yeah. Is the distinction between a shortstop and a second baseman really as big as it used to be? Um, so here's what I would say is, um, yes, but I'll point this out. If you've got Manny Machado and you can position him at third base a little off the line and basically make up for it a little bit, it may not matter as much as we think it is. Jonathan Scope could actually play deeper at shortstop and he could actually potentially have the necessary range if Manny is willing to cover more ground at third base. So... um I think that Jonathan Scope is a pretty good asset at second base. Yes. He's, he's got an excellent arm for it. And frankly, at second base, I think the things that he doesn't do well don't hurt you. I, I don't think that Jonathan Scope has the lateral range to play shortstop. I really don't. And you know what? Maybe he, he plays more games there and makes me look bad. But from what, I'm, from what I've seen... It's simply not the case. Now, okay, he was drafted as a shortstop, and the only reason that he was pulled off of that position was because there was a once-in-a-generation talent in Manny Machado on the same team. And sure. I get all of that. So there, there's your bone. But I, I still stand by the fact that from what I've seen with my eyes, I don't believe that Jonathan Scope is a shortstop, is a viable shortstop candidate in the league. I think that we should take an asset that we have at second base and leave him there and just have a good second baseman. The only reason he's playing short right now is absurd in the fact that they're trying to get Johnny Giovatelli's bat yeah. into the lineup. If that is your reason for moving Jonathan Scope, your team has a lot of problems. Yeah, that's what I found very funny was, well, they're trying to get Giovatella into the lineup. And it's like, it's Johnny Giovatella. Who cares? Like, he's not going to make a significant impact where it's not that big a deal. But I come back to... In a short-term basis, it's not that big of a deal. It's the same situation of Steve Players playing second base during the Ray series. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, that's interesting. Like, it's not going to be that big of a deal for, like, a few games, but there will probably be one play or two plays in there where you're just like, well, that could have gone better. And that w- that's what would certainly be the case with Scope with enough plays at shortstop as well. And here's what I like about the fact that we're having this discussion. We're not talking about moving Manny Machado off of third. I know that a lot. No, that's of, what they should do. But well, I I know that a lot of people are into that. But frankly, I I think that Machado should stay a third baseman. I think that he goes from being an all world third baseman to one of the very good shortstops. Mm. 
I, I see what you're saying. Um, but again, you look at the range that Manny has shown at third base and you say, my gosh, you would do so many great things at shortstop, especially like we just discussed with defensive positioning. Um, the only situation is you don't have a good third baseman on this team that can come in and really keep runners honest um, if they lay down a bunt. Um, and I just don't think they have anybody that is athletic enough to really cover that position for the time being. I agree. All right, third base, how apropos. Uh, so the Orioles can't seem to avoid the big inning this past week. Uh, they gave up four on uh, the 9th of July in the 2nd, five in the 5th on the 7th, and six in the 3rd on the 6th. And Buck has really mentioned this recently, uh, have it being extremely frustrating due to how early in the game some of these have come. Um, and it's a drain on the team when you're behind so early in the game. So, Jake, I asked you this question. Um, when these innings happen and you're watching slash listening to the game, um, do you have a tendency to move on from the game and just say, eh, we'll get them again tomorrow? Or is it just me? Because I certainly feel like I haven't been seeing games through completion when um, these big innings happen early on in the game. I got to be honest, uh, I've been moving for like a week. Okay. And the Orioles have been really doing me a solid by not making their games uh, must-see TV. I, I've been, you know, lugging boxes and unpacking and all the other nonsense and, you know, checking my phone or walking past the radio or whatever and go, oh, it's, it's, uh, it, we're down by six in the second. Yeah, I don't have to pay attention to this game anymore. So what you're telling me is you do an Orioles podcast. Yep. And you haven't been watching the games. Not live. Okay, gotcha. So you're a Masson blogger, basically. Do you have any idea what my wife would do to me if I stopped to watch three hours of baseball games? Love you. I would be over. I'm glad she listens to this podcast. All right, so coming around to home plate, scouts from the Yankees, Orioles, Royals, Angels, Blue Jays, and Cardinals were in Colorado this past weekend watching White Sox left-hander Jose Quintana pitch on Saturday, according to MLB.com. Jake, is there any reason at all we should think that the Orioles could pull off such a trade for Jose Quintana? Well, let me just do this. Let me just um, scroll through the Orioles' 40-man roster here. Candidates for training. No. No. No, I don't. Yeah. Um, I mean, who who would you even get rid of to bring anybody of quality back? Well, let's go through this. Jose Quintana was rumored to be on the trading block um, after Adam Eaton was trading during this offseason. And the White Sox at that time wanted a prospect hold that was similar to the Adam Eaton trade. Uh, Quintana is under club control for the next three years for a very um, nice salary off. I think it's $8 million next year and then $10 million for the next two years after that. So really dirt cheap for a pitcher that's putting up a 4F war. Um, I would think that the Orioles would have to basically, oh, what's the word? basically burn their entire farm system to the ground to give it to the White Sox in order for them to even consider. This reminds me of the years in the past when Orioles fans would bring up the aspect of, well, maybe the Orioles can go out and get Sonny Gray. Like, and it'd be like, well, how are they going to go get Sonny Gray um, with what prospects they have? This is what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to take a van, and we're going to back it up, and we're going to... We're going to back it up. We're going to blindfold him oh. and tie him up and throw him in the back of the van. Yeah. And then drive him to Camden Yards. Okay. Actually, no. Here's the thing. Just, again, reviewing the roster. Sure. Here's what I think. Quintana, right? Yeah. Great. He's, he's having a great season. Uh, okay. He's he's had a little bit of a fall off. He's the best way. He's been a little home run prone this year compared to previous seasons. No, no, no. I, I, I mean... For an Oreo. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Well, of would, course. He, he of would, course, of course. He would be our lone all-star. There's no question about it. He he would be uh, the best pitcher on the Orioles probably since 
Eric Bedard. So I think we should package up a deal okay. consisting of Abaldo Jimenez. Mm. Our, our trash for their treasure. This is how trades work. Mm. Interesting. Or what if we do this? So uh, Jose Quintana um, going into a few years for this contract. I just mentioned he was very Eric Bedardish. What if we trade him Adam Jones, Chris Tillman, and George Sherrill? And two other guys. And two other guys. Tony Butler and, and Cam McLeod. Oh, Cam McLeod. And uh, what if we get Jose Quintana back? We might be on to something. Yeah, we might be we on to something. something. That, look, there's nobody. That, that, I don't think there's any silver bullet that's going to save the Orioles at, at the trade deadline. Uh, I, I don't think so. I think that um, they may be able to go get one additional pitcher, but it's definitely going to be a Scott Feldman-like pitcher where it's going to be like, did it really help us? Maybe. Yeah. They can give away somebody we don't know is valuable yet for somebody like Gerardo Parra. You know, I have heard that the Orioles are thinking about trading Kevin Gossman. <laughs> this this is hurting me. It's making me sad. Well, you know what also was very sad this week? Tell me. What was really sad this week was Fantasy Boss. Well, when it comes to can't help but notice that I'm not hearing my song. Yeah. There's a caveat here, though. You are the king. Baby, you got me beat up and down inside and across. So, Scotty, how many did I lose by this week? Zero. <clears throat> so, Jake, the category you picked this past week was home runs given up by a pitcher. I did. That that was what I picked. And I picked Dylan Bundy, who actually gave six certain runs, but no home runs to the Minnesota Twins this week. A problem that he's had this season. Uh, giving up earned runs? Or you mean giving up home runs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he had gave up three home runs to the previous start. So I was like, well, I'll probably get at least one home run off of Bundy, and maybe that would be good enough. Jake, you picked Alec Asher. Who I also thought was an excellent candidate. Except Alec Asher had been optioned the Sunday prior to you picking there is no reason for us to think that some sort of phantom injury wouldn't have happened and Asher would have been right back up there. Fair point. But Alec Asher didn't even pitch for the Baltimore Orioles. This is true. And yet, he was just as effective at giving up the home runs as Dylan Bundy. So, Jake, we had mentioned saying if there was a tie and the count of home runs, we would look at the amount of runs given up for the home run, which, again, is not applicable. So, Jake, I ask you, what the heck? It sounds like I won. It sounds like... I think N.A. is a lot smaller number than six. It sounds like this was a null and void category. And this is why Fantasy Boss went into a hiatus <laughs> when you made such picks like this. Derek Arnold is judging you right now from wherever he listens to this podcast. Derek Arnold can, can judge all he wants, but I'm not listening to deep cuts right now. And so everyone is happy. Well, Scotty, if I suck at this so oh, bad... Oh, oh, oh. I'm sorry, we're not doing deep cuts because I think this might be a perfect opportunity since we have nothing else to talk about to do a deep cut. I think it's a bad idea. <laughs> and Derek thinks it's a bad idea. And a lot of other people think that's a really bad idea. But we're not going to do a deep cut. But this will be your punishment in the future if you pick a category and it does not pay out. We will be doing a deep cut and it will embarrass you, okay? So instead, I am going to take the punishment and just basically say, I am going to pick the category. I think it's a good idea. 
So, Jake, we are coming up on um, a potentially a short week is the best way to describe it. Where we have the, we have the Cubs series. Um, we will probably not be recording right after the Cubs series because I believe we're going to be on a hiatus a little bit after the All-Star break because of a few issues. Um, but, Jake, I would like to pick a category from the offensive standpoint. And we're going to keep it nice and simple, Jake. We're going to go with a true, true stat that makes the hugest difference in the world. We're going to go with RBIs. Because obviously an RBI is all that matters to some people. All right, let me ask you who got who got DFA'd most recent, recently? Who, who who was sent down? I believe that was David Washington. All right, so I can pick David Washington, right? He was designated for assignment, not optioned. Fair enough. All right, just straight up RBIs, straight up RBIs. So this is a this is a crapshoot. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm going to go with All Star Jonathan Scope. All right, and I'm going to go with his compadre. Manny Machado for RBI. It's a bold choice. Yeah. But I'm feeling something special coming from Manny in the near future. I keep saying it. It's eventually got to happen. So with that, we'll go with RBIs this week. Manny Machado for Scott. Jonathan's go for Jake English. Now let's find out who was good, who was bad, and who was ugly. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. I'm going to start off this week. I'm going to go with my good. It's going to go to Adam Jones, who uh, had a nice two-home run sa- Sunday. Um, and Adam Jones uh, looked like he might be heating up at the plate. He had a decent week as well. Um, and just just some really encouraging plate appearances, I think, from Adam Jones. Um, that middle of the order really needs to get it together. And if they can, um, again, I think that's 7-3... Uh, homestand coming up maybe enough and the Orioles may say it's willing for us to try to be contenders this year as opposed to flushing it all down the drain and hoping that everything works out uh, hey uh scott hey what my good is going to go to a pitcher Ooh, yeah my good this week goes to darren o'day darren o'day made four appearances three innings pitched didn't give up a run his k for nine was 18 which sounds pretty good I was mostly impressed with the fact that, you know, he's had some injury troubles uh, this season and he pitched this week without falling apart. And that sounds like I'm being facetious, but it's not. Darren O'Day being a a rubber arm back there in the bullpen is a big thing if the starters are going to go short, which they have. But, Scotty, I have a question for you. Sure. Uh, I mentioned that, you know, I was moving. Now that we're at the new house, I actually can watch the baseball games. I am no longer. Wait, wait, wait. Back up. You actually have cable again. Yeah, I, I'm no longer a radio-only wow. Orioles fan. Uh, but I saw something from Darren O'Day that I hadn't seen before, and okay. I wanted to put it past your, we'll call it more experienced cable-viewing eye. Okay. I, I saw Darren O'Day throw a lot more pitches from an almost sidearm angle rather than the, the submariner that I was used to. Since coming back from the injury, is that something that O'Day has been doing more more frequently or is he just trying to get another look i think he's just trying to get another look okay it, it almost looked given-esque on, on a couple of those strikeouts and i thought well, that's a weird look for o'day interesting so that's something that i'm going to continue to watch during the baseball games all right so my bad for the week is going to go to hun su kim 
who is posting a six weighted runs created plus over the past seven days. And uh, on all honesty, Hunsu Kim may be running out of time very quickly. Uh, Hunsu Kim on the past month in 55 plate appearances has put up a 19 weighted runs created plus. Do you think maybe we could trade him for Jose Quintana? Uh, I don't think so. I have a feeling that Hunsu Kim may not make it through Friday. Ooh. I think Hunsu Kim may be the casualty for the Chris Davis coming up. Hmm. Here's a question for you, though. And this is something that would intrigue me. So Hunsu Kim uh, potentially could be designated for assignment, but what would happen if he went down to Norfolk for, we'll call it a month and a half, and then comes back up for the team in September? There's nobody that's going to sign him to a major league contract for the time being. If he doesn't, can we boo him? Uh, no. Okay. But wouldn't that be really interesting if that it, if that actually happened? I think that'd be very interesting. I think that'd be a really interesting story here. You think that's likely? You know what? I think it actually might be likely now. I think it's the aspect of, hey, I'm not doing so great at the plate. I want to get some plate appearances, and then I can come back up in September with, on the 40-man and potentially help out. I think watching these Oriole games is, is messed with your mind. Uh, or it could be the Jack and Ginger I'm drinking. <laughs> That's possible. All right, uh, Scott, my bad this week yeah. is going to go to a pitcher. Okay. My bad this week goes to Tyler Wilson. Tyler Wilson's been useless this week. In This uh, week? Well, yeah. In, in two innings pitched, uh, no bueno. He he get, had a six sixty five FIP. Uh, he gave up he gave up runs. Look, here's the thing: Tyler Wilson has just as good a chance as anybody in inserting himself in the majors and being useful. And every opportunity to do so, he's failed to do so. Uh, I really thought that at some point he was going to take the bull by the horns and find some role at the major league level that would fit him. Even if it was going to be a multi reliever stint where he could you know be impressive once through the lineup or be impressive for three outs and, you know, think his way through it or what have it. But Tyler Wilson's shown me nothing, and frankly, I think I'm ready to be done with him. Okay. I mean, I, I understand where you're coming from. It He really is kind of blah is the best way to describe it. Um, my ugly for the week is going to go to Jack Collin, um, who was the Orioles' fourth-round draft pick uh, this past draft. Um, and the Orioles did not sign him. Um, apparently, he had failed a physical... Um, and the Orioles decided to, well, not offer him um, a partial contract. The partial contract would have been right around $200,000. Instead, the Orioles said, no, nah, we're going to be okay. They were one of only two teams not to sign one of their picks for the first 10 rounds. For an organization that has such an issue with depth, um, I find it very interesting that um, they wouldn't be willing to take a, a chance on um, a player that's in high school and just say, yeah, he's injured, but you know, he'll get better in three to five years and we'll still be able to use him for $200,000. I mean, it seems like it's a drop in the bucket compared to the potentially lottery pick that you could get. Can you imagine what would have possibly come up on that physical to make the Orioles run away like that? I, I really can't figure that out. Actually. It's it, even if it was Tommy Johns or a laborum or issue or something like that, you still come back to, okay, well, he'll be okay, I guess, and everything will work out all right. But I, I just don't understand, to a certain regard, why they wouldn't be willing to take the chance on him is the best point of 
point of the situation. They would have lost $200,000 if it, if it had gone south. Correct. $200,000. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, what else is the club going to spend that money on? Jimmy John's. <laughs> Not uh, international. Oh. oh. No. My ugly this week. Manny Machado. <laughs> it's that last $200,000 that's going to make the difference. Yep. Really, if he gets a $400 million contract, how long will $200,000 uh, sustain him? Is that like a 15 minutes of his next contract? No, nah, it's probably like a handshake between him and Scope. <laughs> that does last about two days. <laughs> my, my ugly this week goes to the Washington Nationals. The Washington Nationals had another incident in which a rain delay, excuse me, a delay happened because of quote-unquote rain. Now, you may remember earlier on in the season that the Orioles had a similar situation with the Nationals in which the Nationals GM had some harsh words for Buck Showalter complaining about it, saying that Buck Showalter needed to stop whining and that the Nationals beat the Orioles something, something, something all over the ballpark. Well, now it's not just the Orioles that are starting to complain that the Nationals are maybe showing some gamesmanship when it comes to start times or ever starting the game. Scott, let me ask you this. How nice would it be to be able to look in, at your roster and say, oh, our star player is not playing so hot. I see rain. What about you? This is something I think that Major League Baseball needs to take a deeper look at. And look, maybe there's nothing going on here, but this is now two incidents where it's looked pretty ugly for the Nationals. And when you look at something like the integrity of the game, that's something that Major League Baseball takes very seriously and ought to be monitoring the Nationals moving forward. And next year, during the Masson Cup, let's just hope it's dry. Maybe they should make the Nationals sign a contract saying that they have to play on a certain time. Oh, wait. Never mind. Contracts are null and void for the Washington Nationals. Yeah, but that was signed, like, before yeah, that was signed before now. Right during the Bush so they, administration, that don't mean anything. Right, that doesn't mean anything. That anymore. was the first six weeks of the of the contracts. Right, right, right. All right, let's go ahead and blow the save. All right, so folks, you may have noticed kind of a short show this week, um, but the reason for that is we are getting primed and set for the 2017 bevies, the fifth annual bevies. And folks, let me just tell you, you're in for a treat. With the that vocal- almost sounds like a threat. Oh, it is a threat. With the vocal stylings of Jake English and myself, you'll be treated to uh, whimsical uh, award ceremonies and uh, some basically some musical styling. So folks, tune in this Thursday for, well, just hilarity and um, bad decisions all around by us, and various other members of the Berlin community. And if there's anything that could make you feel better about this season, it's got to be the bevies. It is. It's a good way to gear yourself up and go into the second half of the season. And Scott, with that, that is our show. Remember that you can find this and our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is a proud member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. You can find this show on baltimoresportsreport.com slash network and also on baseballtalkradio.com, the home of great baseball talk. Bird's Eye View is available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play Music. We'd appreciate a rating and review. It helps establish what's called social proof about this show and encourages new listeners to check it out. 
Engage with us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Google+, and Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I'll bid you all a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. Jake, you're so negative right now. No, I think the Orioles are negative. I'm simply describing them. Jake, they just tied a series. They tied a series. I'm fresh out of medals. Participation award? No. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.